It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross, yes! Touchdown, did it! Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome on in. Eric Franson, Jason Walker here with you. Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. 1069 The Fan app, streaming online, 1069thefan.com. That's where you can also find a lot of bonus audio, player interviews, coach interviews, old uh, episodes, uh, and uh, go back and listen to your heart's content. They get you ready for game week. Utah State getting ready for number one Alabama. Whoo, boy. <laughs> it's a tall order for the Aggies. It's a little bit. Uh, we'll we'll give a preview of Alabama, who they are, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows who Alabama is. Wow, little little known school in the South. Um, who their players are? Challenge facing the Aggies. Uh, what did Nick Saban say about the Aggies? What did Blake Anderson say about Alabama? We'll hear a little bit about that. Um, stat that blew our minds. Our player of the week. We'll hand that out. We. We didn't give away bread yesterday. We forgot. So we apologize. But today we will call out for the Old Grist Mill bread and butter play of the game from the Skyview broadcast Friday night as uh, they, they struggled last week. But there was, a little bit. there was an exciting play that happened uh, later in the game. So we'll call for that. If you remember what it was, Hurricane John Newbold called it out and then said it again in the post game. And so if you recall what it was, we will have you call in at the designated time. And if you get it correct, you'll get set up with some free bread at Old Grist Mill. Uh, The uh, NFL roster is today being trimmed. And so are there any former Aggies that survived and are going to be on NFL rosters or are they going to just end up on practice squads? And then finally, the other topic of the day today, this happened last night, the New York Knicks signing a rookie extension with R.J. Barrett. Um, and uh, how does that affect potential trade talks with the Utah Jazz in their pursuit of Donovan Mitchell? So a lot of different things on the on the docket today. Uh, but as always, if you want to chime in on those topics or any others, feel free to call or uh, to text it. You can call in too, 435-752-1069. Or you can text the program on our Full Court Press text line, 435 435- Three three nine zero three two one. Let's start here, Jason. Today, NFL rosters got trimmed. Uh, the way that uh, some of these former Aggies were performing, it looked like, hey, these these guys might make it. You know, Derek Wright was catching everything that was thrown to him. He found the end zone. He was a leading receiver for the Panthers in two of their preseason games. They didn't really use him in the third preseason game, and today he got cut. Yeah, I was getting more and more confident that uh, so there, I mean there were four guys that I was looking at that were kind of on the bubble a little bit: Devin Tompkins, Derek Wright, Darwin Thompson, and then Jalen Warren. Who, I mean, he's not really an Aggie 
Nagy alum, but, you know, was there for a year or two. Um, yeah, Derek Wright, I was probably one of the most confident. Because for basically all the reasons you said, like, he was performing really well, seems to fit the part for a good outside wide receiver in the NFL. Um, again, just great performance all around uh, in practice. The media were raving about him in practice, catching everything. Uh, and then in in the preseason games, was doing really well. And then he gets cut, and it's just like I, I was thinking he was going to make it. I was less confident about Darwin Tompkin or Darwin Thompson and Devin Tompkins, because um, I feel like Tampa Bay just had a really deep wide receiver room. It was just really hard for him to jump in there. And Darwin Thompson, he's kind of in the journeyman status, and so he he kind of gets a knock for that. Um, fair or not, you know, they're going to prefer maybe an undrafted free agent over a 25, 26-year-old uh, Thompson who's on, like, his third team at this point. But, yeah, I, I was thinking that we were going to get at least a few of these guys making rosters, but in the end we've got one out of the four I was watching. Yeah, I think I thought that uh, I thought Devin Tompkins – looked like he may have a path to stay on the Tampa Bay roster because of how they were using him in special teams, that um, he was going up and catching some fantastic, you know, highlight-worthy catches, uh, but he were also, as a wide receiver, but he was also being used as a return man. And so I thought that, um, you know, that looked like he was illustrating some versatile abilities and uh, um, reasons to, to still stay on for Tampa Bay. But, unfortunately, that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, these guys were getting a lot of media attention. Tompkins was getting tons of attention from the media. But I think a lot of that just had to do with he has a good story. He had a really good story, and he got a lot of attention when he was here at Utah State. A lot of features, a lot of interviews, a lot of podcasts. And he was getting that in Tampa Bay, but... Media attention doesn't translate to making the roster. No, unfortunately. And so, even though Derek Wright was getting some attention as well, not nearly as much as Tompkins, but a lot more of Wright's attention was the fact that he was playing well. So that's why it was even more surprising that he ended up getting cut on a fairly weak Carolina roster and not a super deep wide receiver core. Not a bad you know wide receiver core in Carolina, but not as strong as, say, Tampa Bay's. So... It is a little disappointing. I was finally being a little more optimistic. I wasn't too surprised they made the first couple of roster cuts because it was like five people each. Yeah, very, very few number of players were cut, were trimmed. Yeah, it was the big 17-man roster cuts from 80 to 53 that I was kind of worried about. And then at the end, I was scrolling through a, a roster cut tracker like Sunday night. Because some teams had already begun cutting people because, you know, they played their last preseason game already. They're only, a, I think, a couple of preseason games on Sunday. And looking through, a lot of teams had cut 10, 11, 12 players. And I was looking through uh, Tampa Bay and Carolina and Seattle. I didn't see any of those three names. So I was like a little more confident, especially because I think it was either Tampa Bay or Carolina who had cut two wide receivers. So I was like, okay, that's a little more likely because if they're cutting other wide receivers, that means, you know, the Aggies staying. Didn't end up being the case. Just didn't work out. Didn't work out. Uh, 5879, Derek Wright with a angry emoji. 
angry swearing emoji. Yeah, what the heck? Also, do the uh, do they keep these guys on IR or are they just SOL? So here's the thing with the they they were cut today. NFL <coughs> uh, teams have until uh, tomorrow afternoon, about two o'clock. That's when they are, they can place players either on their injured reserve. Uh, or the non-football injury lists will be allowed to be activated later in the season. So the 53-man roster potentially can open up some additional positions. Uh, but then uh, these teams on Wednesday um, basically start to fill out their practice rosters now. You can allow up to 10 players. Excuse me. used to be 10. Now it's up to 16 on your practice roster. So teams with you know COVID or other injuries – uh, teams have more flexibility to plug a player in instead of, oh my gosh, what do we do? We got to go find somebody on the open market who we don't even know who's out there. So their their opportunity to still make an NFL roster is not closed. It just means that it's going to take a little bit more time to get there. Yeah, and it just they just need an opportunity, and that's it's the cruel nature of the NFL that. Some guys get opportunities and some guys don't. And then at that point, some guys take advantage of their opportunities and some guys don't. So for them, it's just hoping that something happens that allows them to, you know, well, for one, stay on the the practice squad, which I think Tompkins and Wright are probably going to wind up on the Buccaneers and Panthers practice squads. I think that's fairly likely. I'm not sure about Thompson. He might. I know Seattle is really searching for what their running back situation looks like. The fact that they signed Ronnie Rivers right before their final preseason game was a bit of a red flag for me that they must not have much confidence in Darwin. Uh, Now, Rivers really didn't do anything in the one game that he played. Yeah. But um, that's not a great sign for the confidence level they must have in Darwin Thompson. Yeah, so he may end up his NFL career could be over. We'll see. Could have couldn't end up on somebody's practice squad, but I think Wright and Tompkins will end up on their practice squads. And at that point it's just will something happen that allows them to kind of maybe get a one game promotion or something like that. And then at that point just hoping you get a chance. Because even if they get put on the fifty three man roster for a day or a game or a week or whatever that's not saying they're going to get any targets or any real snaps because at that point they're just a depth piece, which depth pieces don't get targets in games usually. No, that's true. Now, there is there is this chance that you could get signed to a, a practice squad. Let's say Tompkins signs with Tampa Bay and he's on their practice squad. If some other team has a, has a hole that needs to be filled – and they like his versatility as a wide receiver and as a return man. They've got an injury. They've got a spot. They can go poach him from Tampa's practice roster as long as he is going to their active 53-man roster. Yeah. So there's still a chance that uh, Derek Wright, Devin Tompkins, even Darwin Thompson could end up on another roster besides where they're at right now where they've been throughout the summer yeah so they could get signed by anybody signed to an actual real contract 
They could get waived just as quickly because being signed and waived is a lot more common in the NFL than, say, the NBA, uh, just with the way contracts and guaranteed money and all that are. But, yeah, all like I said, all it takes is an opportunity. Whether they get that, who knows? And they're only going to get one. And if they take advantage of that, they'll get one more. It's not like, you know, Jordan Love, he's going to get a lot of opportunities because he's a first-round draft pick. And all these other first-round draft picks, they'll go to three or four teams until they finally realize, oh, yeah, he's a bust. Okay, we can finally let him go. When you're an undrafted free agent, you might get one opportunity. And that's it. Yeah. Life's not fair. No. It's not. Some people are born 5'7 and don't get a shot. Some people are born 6'5 and get every shot. Now, it's... Uh, well, obviously, getting an NFL contract is preferred, right? That's what they want. They want yeah. to get on a roster. But being on a practice squad doesn't mean that it's just beans and rice for these guys. Uh, they, especially for these guys with their young players without any NFL experience, they can earn $11,500 a week for every week that they're on a, a practice roster. Can you guys pay me that? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I heard that the other day, and I was like, so, dang, that's a lot. That's more than minor league baseball players So if make. you're on a practice squad for the entirety of the season as a young player, you could make somewhere north of – Two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a season. Yeah, and that's you know it's a lot easier to languish on NFL practice squads than it is to do the same in minor league baseball because minor league baseball players basically don't get paid. Uh, they get paid less than I do, <laughs> um, and I think the G League isn't bad either. It's not awful, I don't think. But yeah, NFL practice squad. That's like top WNBA money. The top WNBA players earn like 240000 a year. <laughs> that's basically what NFL practice that's, squad that's guys are not, making. That's not shabby. That's <laughs> not shabby. Could be, so, could be a lot worse. So uh, fingers crossed that, um, that they make it a practice squad. That's not, that's not insured, and that can change week to week. Basically, uh, that, uh, those can be fluid based on need, based on the type of team that uh, that that your squad is preparing to face, and so that can be a little bit fluid there for for some of these guys. But hopefully, they get an opportunity. Jalen Warren looks like he has earned an opportunity to be the number two running back in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that seems to be the case. Uh, he, I saw some speculation. There's this, there's this one guy uh, as I was looking up Jalen Warren, whether or not he was making the cuts. I saw one article that said. Jalen Warren should be the backup running back. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Must be doing really well. Um, and that appears to be the case because I believe they re- they released the guy who was maybe looking to be the backup running back. And there's some people who are definitively saying, all right, Jalen Warren's the number two guy. Guy who I believe undrafted free agent. Yeah. Uh, great year at Oklahoma State. But he, he comes in, and now he's going to get a chance to play behind, you know, a highly regarded young running back in Najee Harris, who hasn't stunned in the NFL so far. Maybe didn't quite live up to his super high expectations. Um, but obviously still young, could still make a big impact. But who knows? Maybe Warren, they may be looking more to the run game since they have Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> or uh, 
Pickett, Kenny Pickett, Kenny Small Hands Pickett. Well, one of the yeah. things that I read about Warren, why he has uh, been uh, impressing there in, in Pittsburgh, is that they like his versatility, that he can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. So he, they feel like he gives them more options than perhaps some of the other guys that were uh, on their roster trying to make some things happen. So hopefully uh, you know, Derek Wright and uh, Devin Tompkins and Darwin Thompson as well find some opportunities within the next 24 hours to make it onto a practice squad. Uh, and then injuries happen all the time. Not that we like are hoping for injuries, but those are that's when those opportunities happen. That's what happened with Tipa Naliai. Uh, Tipa was a practice squad guy for Green Bay. Somebody got hurt. He was pl- practicing well. He was impressing the coaches. They elevated him, and he made the 53-man roster as a backup linebacker, and he is still there today. Yeah, still a rotation guy. Will probably get a decent, you know, maybe six, seven-year career if he keeps things up, which is better than a lot of people. Most people only last three or four years. Tipanali is already outlasting a lot of people uh, that, that try to make the NFL. Yeah. yeah, he got his opportunity, his one chance, made the most of it. Uh, so anyway, that's kind of the latest for Utah State uh, former Aggies uh, in the NFL. Uh, the first NFL uh, games get underway next week. Was it next Thursday? Is that when it kicks off? I think so. For some reason, I was thinking this Sunday, but then I was like, yeah, that's really close. I think and it's the 8th. Yeah, it's, yeah, it'll be next Thursday and into the weekend. Should be fun. Looking forward to it. We can maybe do some NFL predictions next week. Yes, I think we need to do that. Some people have been asking for them, and I'm like, I haven't even looked yet. <laughs> what teams are going to be good this year? I don't know. Are the Browns going to be good? I have no idea. <laughs> Jacksonville? Jacksonville, they're always good, right? <laughs> yeah, right. They're Perennial cool, Super Bowl team. Cool unis. Uh, five eight seven nine. a kicker spot just opened up on the Bills. Ooh. Not the right kicker spot for the uh, one kicker we're hoping gets his shot, which unfortunately I think Eberle's run out of shots. Yeah, he's he's had several opportunities uh, with a couple different NFL teams. I don't know what he's doing if he's on a anybody's practice squad right now. But no, I don't. I don't, I don't think, think he's he on any NFL squads. I haven't heard his name. Maybe he could. Maybe he could be, but I've I've not heard. And, yeah, I think the issue with him is that, you know, I read one scouting report, and I'm not a scout on kickers, so I have to rely on some other people. Cause, you know, I thought he was pretty good, but they described him as having a good but not great leg, which is like, okay, if that's the NFL consensus, that's not a good sign. Right. Because they're like, you know, most NFL kickers have a theoretical range in, like, the high 60s, maybe even 70s. They could probably – most – Decent kickers in the NFL could, in practice, hit a 70-plus yard field goal it, every now and again. If they're missing, it's usually going to be wide left or right. But, of course, they don't kick that far in a real game for a lot of reasons. Right. Because they're not going to hit those kicks consistently. But maybe Eberly couldn't kick it that far. I don't know what his personal best is as far as, like, at any time. Like I said, the NFL scouting report was not a good sign. When I read it, I was like, oh, that's not good. That's too bad. Uh, so, anyway, that's kind of the update there on former Aggies trying to make NFL squads. Uh, we'll get into uh, Utah State and Alabama here shortly. What did Nick Saban have to say about Utah State? Will Anderson also had some words to say. Uh, now, that they're facing a team with a 
uh, returning Heisman Trophy winner, but he may not be the best player on the team. Uh, we'll discuss that and uh, the, the challenge ahead of USU, uh, news about the Utah Jazz, and uh, more so on the New York Knicks' pursuit of a current Jazz player. Which one? <laughs> that might change. Uh, also, the stat that blew our minds and our player of the week. Plus, we're going to be giving away some free bread. Stay tuned. That's coming up here shortly here on the Full Court Press. Loveland Living Planet Aquarium takes us outside our everyday lives into a world of discovery. It's a chance to explore our innate curiosity, discover animals from around the world, and experience the all-new outdoor plaza and eco. More to explore at Loveland Living Planet Aquarium. Reserve your visit at thelivingplanet.com. Summer is cruising by way too fast. It's already back to school time. Soon you're going to start experiencing many special places and events that you won't forget, such as your first slide down Old Main Hill, attending Aggie football and basketball games, or a wild party at the Howe, and your first kiss on the Aggie Bowl. That might just lead to that extra special moment at Jarek's Fine Jewelry, Cash Valley's engagement ring store where it's all about the romance. Just look for the bright green cars at 930 North Main Street. This is Ryan at My Mattress, the Labor Day sale. Our biggest sale of the year is in full swing right now. Come in and choose from the two world's best beds in Telebed and Tempur-Pedic. Get up to $1,500 off these beds. Up to five years, no interest financing, and no sales tax. 90-day sleep guarantee and 90-day price guarantee. Queen start at just $239. Special truckload latex mattresses only at My Mattress, the Labor Day sale. Isn't it time to sleep exceptionally? Back to school means back to massive laundry piles. Get a washer that can handle your busy laundry schedule. Head to Daryl's today for a deal worth your time. This is Jay from Daryl's Appliance, and we have a GE front load laundry pair with a 4.8 cubic foot washer and a 7.8 cubic foot dryer for only $17.96 for the pair. Hurry, stock is limited. See store for details. Daryl's Appliance Service and Sales West on Airport Road. Open until 6 p.m. on weekdays, 5 on Saturday. Imagine your wedding day. Elegant, simple, yet stunning, stress-free. It's your day. It's all about you. Whether you're looking for small and simple or have a grander idea, the Riverwoods Conference Center will accommodate your every need. Choose the inside ballroom elegance or outside along the natural decor of the beautiful Logan River. A Riverwoods event planner will work personally with you to make sure your event is exactly how you've envisioned it. The Riverwoods Conference Center, where your happily ever after begins. Google Riverwoods Conference Center or call 75 75- They never could play it, but they sure can talk about it. Eric Franson and Jason Walker on the Full Court Press. Ah, yes, it is back to school time. Box Elder School District started on Monday. Utah State started on Monday. But uh, it's a crazy busy time right now. But don't worry about your car, right? Don't forget about your car. Valvoline Instant Oil Change across from Angie's will get you in and out quickly. They're at 695 North Main in Logan. Valvoline Synthetic and Valvoline Max Life Oil to make your, or your car run at its uh, peak efficiency. That's Valvoline Instant Oil Change in Logan. So on Friday night, 
a number of high school football games. We had a few on Thursday. But the Skyview Bobcats were one of those teams who played. They had a rough go of it. Um, but there was some exciting plays that did happen. And so uh, we're going to call We forgot to do this on uh, Monday's show. So we're going to do it now. We're going to call out for the Old Grist Mill bread and butter play of the game for the Skyview Bobcats. Now, uh, the only caveat is that if you've recently won it, you have to. We ask that you wait 30 days to give other people a chance to call in and redeem it. But if you can call in and correctly identify what the bread and butter play of the game was for Skyview Friday night, we'll give you four loaves of bread to the old grist mill. Uh, the uh, replay is up and available on Cash Valley Daily if you want to go back and watch it or go back and try to find what that play was called out from Hurricane John Newbold. Uh, easy to win. Just call 435-752-1069. So 435-752-1069 to, uh, to get, try to get some uh, free bread from the old grist mill. Uh, and if you want to weigh in on other topics too, get us on our text line 435-339-0321. And we got somebody calling in. So you gotta you get, do. You got you know, what you am gotta, I what am I on to? You got to carry whatever we're on to whatever topic you want to lead off with now. All right. Well, I will quickly go over something we kind of teased this yesterday um, cuz I talked about um, attendance numbers for Utah State. I was thinking maybe getting to this in the second hour and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I know um, and I put this on Twitter today, but basically it had to do with uh, attendance, Utah State, and I, I used uh, population numbers and stadium capacity. I mentioned a while back that I'd kind of crunched some numbers, and I wanted to do it again. I put it on Twitter because I thought it was interesting. The idea of Utah State maybe having a harder time to get attendance because of a much smaller uh, adjacent population is the term I used in my little table that I made. Um, basically, has Utah State, uh, and the calculation I used for adjacent population was basically the county that a school is in and then some surrounding counties. Um, and I compared Utah State to University of Utah, BYU, and I threw in Boise State because <laughs> they're kind of in the region. Um, so Utah State there. Again, the adjacent population I came up with, which was basically Cache County, Box Elder, Rich, and Franklin County in Idaho, you know, up where Preston is. And I came up with like 197,000, roughly, as the population around here. It's, you know, roughly within an hour, maybe a little less. E easy driving distance. Yeah. So. But you would, and I, if I can't, but that. That would be your your primary fan base with within a short drive from the university. Yeah, basically with these these universities, the, the the number I chose was this is the population you're sitting right on top of um, that you're going to draw from. Obviously, there's travel, and there are a lot of people in the Twitter the Twitter post that I put. They're like, well, people from outside the valley travel. Like, yes, yes, I know people travel. That happens, and I know that. But it's not the point you're trying to make. Yeah. Um, so Utah State, they have 197,000 and change. Uh, that means to fill their stadium completely, they'd have to draw basically it's 12.9%, basically 13% of the entire population around here to fill the stadium. That's not 
necessarily what happens, but again, just kind of quick and dirty numbers I'm throwing around. Uh, for University of Utah and BYU, I use the same geographic area, uh, Davis, Salt Lake, and Utah counties. Basically, the most populous part of the Wasatch Front. Uh, that came out to about 2.1 million, you know, the, the more populated part of Utah, basically. So for BYU and Utah, even though they have stadiums two, almost three times larger than Utah State, BYU's at 63,000, Utah's at 51,000. They only have to get about 3% or less of their population. Again, the population they're just sitting on top of that's already there, uh, basically 3%, slightly less for the University of Utah. And then for Boise State, they're at about 5% for their numbers. So that's that's tough for Utah State to deal with. Right, and, and really I think the, the, the point is with the out-of-area people coming to games, Wasatch Front Aggies, if we want to group them all as Wasatch, anybody Weber County South would be considered Wasatch Front Aggies. Uh, Yes, there are those who do come up, but Utah State kind of relies on a a, a greater number of air, people from outside your normal area to help get to that number, yeah. to get it to where it would be similar to or equal to other other universities in their in their in their area. Yeah, like Utah State has to over rely on people basically making game day and all day event which is hard to ask of a lot of people right, and you're also going into to do that you're going into territories that have another existing entity in the space weber county has weber state university yeah. who's also competing for people to get there so you're asking them to uh, to make choices now Whereas, not that there there aren't choices here, but if you want to see a college football game in that geographic area you defined, there's only one choice. But once you start going south, there are multiple choices. Yeah. And so it, it's just tricky to ask that many people. Like, there's, I mean, there's one guy who said he thinks like 30 to 40% of the people attending the games are from outside the Valley, which I have uh, nothing to counter that, I but that's almost that 8,000 people. Really high. I mean... If that's if that's true, then wow. Yeah, congratulations. Like I said that's great that, for that, Utah State being able to draw that many, but it's also kind of sad that you have to rely that much on out of area people to come to the game. Yeah, because like I said if you calculate based off of Saturday's attendance, forty percent is seventy eight hundred people out of the nineteen five hundred and change that were at the game. So that's I don't know if the 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 canyon can handle that many people. Main Street would be a nightmare. Yeah, like that's that's a lot of people just suddenly showing up in Logan. And again, I don't have anything to counter that. And Main uh, Street is is very busy and congested before yeah. a game. Um, I, and there are people. There's there's no question. There are people who come up from outside the area. Yeah, definitely. And I I think probably BYU might have some of the better traveling fans, but Utah State's not bad either. I'd say they're probably better at traveling than uh, uh, University of Utah. Well, we wouldn't know because we haven't seen them in forever. Yeah. <laughs> they re- but, well, they refuse to I'm play. just talking about traveling to their own home games because we get outside oh, the Valley, right. BYU getting people from you know maybe as far up as Weber County or down in southern Utah. Um, I think BYU fans are able to travel to their games because they have to fill an almost NFL-sized stadium. 
Um, I think there are NFL stadiums that have fewer seats than Lavelle Edwards Stadium, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, like, yeah, just, just the general point is that Utah State is behind the eight ball here in terms of filling their stadium. It's, it's just tricky. Right. It, it is a numbers game. It's a numbers game. But 9315, interesting texts uh, that are being pointed out here. Uh, the Corvallis population, this is in Oregon. Uh, as of 2020, the population of Corvallis, 58,612. Oregon State forecasts sellouts for all six Reeser Stadium home football games in 2022. Now, what is this surrounding population, which is what you've illustrated? Yeah, that, that's the key. So the Provo Corval- pop- You've given us the Corvallis city population, which is similar population to Logan. Yeah. Provo population is 116,000, but the population they're sitting on is 2.1 million. Yes. Keep that in mind. Yeah, very so important distinction. So if I'm doing the calculation, I'd probably... And, and it could be similar to Utah State. I've actually... Wanted to look around. That's why I looked at Boise State. I actually looked at Colorado State. If I wanted to expand this more, like the stuff I put out, again, is quick and dirty. There is a lot potentially wrong with it. There is a lot potentially missing from it. There's a lot of things I could go into more detail to iron this out a lot better. And maybe someday I will. It's something worth researching. And to be honest, I feel like I would love to have Utah State's cooperation because they definitely have this data. Oh, you know they do. Because they have how many people come from outside the valley. Because when you buy a ticket, you put an address on, you know, put a billing address. I know they have that data. I don't think they're willing to hand it out. But if I could get it, it'd be wonderful to look into this. They probably are looking into this themselves. Oh, I'm sure they are. So They buy billboards in Weber County. Yeah. So there's things that I can do. I know uh, 7994, I believe, I can already see multiple people had this point where it says you should factor in the student body population and student seating, which, yes, yes, I could. Again, quick and dirty math here. Um, I could factor in students, and I'm not even sure how much students affects population numbers. I don't know how many of the 60-ish thousand people in Logan. I don't know. What, what is the exact population of Logan this last? Was it, it was around uh, 60,000? 55 and 60. Okay, so, so something like that. Yeah. So I don't know how many of that is students because I got sent a census form when I was living in a dorm. So... And I don't know how that works exactly. But again, there's there's a lot of things with this that I could tune and figure out and maybe measure out some mileage and geography and that's true, because that's yeah. fair because if you take if you eliminate the, the the block of seats that are for the students and students only, and then you look at every other available seat that would be from the community, then those numbers are are very different. Yeah, they change, and they change really quickly the more you add in these little details. that This is why I don't want to make too many broad or even, I guess, I'm kind of making broad statements. I don't want to make specific judgments. I just want to say, here's the quick and dirty math and say, Utah State's kind of starting from behind here. There's more things than I could maybe figure out if Utah State's actually outperforming. Because honestly, based on the population numbers, they kind of are outperforming in terms of stadium capacity. Based on the fact of how far behind they are and the fact they still get like 20,000 people to each game. So there is some things to be impressed by. But, you know, there's a lot we could go into here with this kind of theory that I've worked up. Um, And and, and and I've not taken the deep dive yet that it kind of deserves 
if you're going to use this as an actual reason you're regarding attendance numbers. Yeah, and in discussions about stadium expansion, there's you know certainly the argument that you can't fill the stadium you have. Why why would you want to expand it even further? Are there some renovations that could be done to enhance the experience? Yes. There is a bit of an argument for stadium expansion in that it would give more pricing options for the university to make it easier for some people to attend where otherwise it prices them out. If there are larger blocks of seats, then you may be able to do some smaller pricing options to help get more people there. Yeah, I'd, I'd, it'd be tricky to see where they could expand and what they could do because, like, can you renovate the south end zone? Can you renovate the seats above the east student section? Like, honestly, if you were just being realistic and saying, all right, we're going to have our stadium to the capacity we could normally fill it, you lop off the top east section and make some luxury boxes, basically. <laughs> right, and there's more that could be done on the east side, southeast side. Yeah, like that. that's where you'd think you have the southeast, the south end zone, and the upper east side. That's where you're renovating things. Maybe try and expand a little more on that kind of northeast side. Maybe make a tunnel or something and then add some more seats above tunnel like and like connect it to the uh, north end zone complex. Um, and then maybe create two new sections. Maybe push the students over a little bit, add a little bit more on that south side for general admission. Spitballing here. Free ideas, Utah State. <laughs> Just couple, throwing them out there. Couple no texts charge. coming through 0366. I'd be curious as to attendance numbers of day versus night games. Given our agricultural demographic, I would think night games would be attended a little heavier than day games. Yeah, there's there'd be a lot of noise with that because of difficulty of opponent and things like that. If you did it over a long enough span of years, you could probably find something. Um, maybe if you tried a methodology that tried to account for a level of opponent and years where Utah State's bad. Right, uh, and really I think you'd have to look at a snapshot within the last 10, maybe 11 years when yeah. there's been a cultural change regarding yeah. how people view football in the, at Utah State in general. Problem, problem is I don't even know if that's a big enough sample size because then you're, pro- you're probably dealing with I don't know, something like 100 games, 50 of those at home. That's a small sample size. Yeah, it starts to get pretty narrow. And unfortunately, the statistics behind this is a little above my pay grade. <laughs> um, that's why we went into broadcasting and journalism. Yeah. <laughs> my stats knowledge is limited, slightly above average for the American population, but that's not that's a bar that I can trip over in a lot of cases. 6804, a while ago, when the horseshoe at Ohio State was expanded, they just added another top row on the whole stadium. You could maybe add a top row to the south side. Maybe. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know how that would work. I'm sure that somebody could pull it off. Um. Well, they could because yeah. it kind of slopes, and so there aren't as many seats on the west side of the south end zone as there are on the east side of the south end zone. But still, uh, that that could go up. Yeah, there are a lot of ways that stadium can be expanded. Yeah, well, you'd maybe just you'd add like another basically section of seats that would basically end up being above the concessions and tickets, or I guess just the ticket office. Like, well, they do have a concession stand there, don't they? Concessions and tickets, that little cement building that's sitting there. Yeah, but you basically add something on top of that. But 
again, I don't think they should expand. So uh, six eight zero four. We are essentially talking about a hole in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. There, are, there are issues with Utah State Stadium with sight lines. I mean, uh, you're sitting in some areas of the stadium and you can't tell if there was a touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Well, that happens in the press box, which is annoying. I can't see a third of the field when I'm sitting down. <laughs> so there are, yes, there are problems. It's not, it's not the best. Um, it's a Mountain West stadium. We ought to but, hold our expectations for how good the stadium's going to be. Yeah. We're lucky to have a 25,000-seat stadium in Logan, Utah. Half the population of the city can fit in that stadium. It's an amazing thing. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, all right. Hey, we need to get back to circle back to our bread. Bread. Uh, we got to sh- give a shout-out to Josh. He called in and correctly identified. Uh, it was the uh, the Brighton Williams eight-yard touchdown catch from uh, from Thatcher. Uh, it was about six minutes to go in the game, and uh, that was an exciting play for Skyview. And so Josh was the first to call in and correctly identify. We had a number of calls come in, so I appreciate you guys remembering, uh, even though we were a day late getting to it. But Josh correctly identified the Old Grist Mill bread and butter play of the game from their game on Friday. Free bread. Free bread. Uh, more uh, your reactions. We'll get into uh, Alabama here in just a little bit. We'll hear from the coaches. We'll hear from the players. We'll share the stat that blew our minds, a player of the week, and some Donovan Mitchell news. Cash Valley is growing. If you're new to the area or here for school, you should pick up a free copy of the Best of Northern Utah magazine. That's where you'll find the area's top businesses, voted on by our local community. Any service or product you might need, you'll find it in the Best of Northern Utah magazine. Pickup locations are throughout Cache Valley. For a location near you, visit bestofnorthernutah.com. Our local businesses are the heart of our community, so please support all of our business community by shopping local. Best of Northern Utah. Hey, it's Garrett Grantham with Grantham Mobile Automotive. Just like a plumber, just like an electrician, I come to your home. I am a master ASE technician, licensed, insured, and ready to come to you for your car repair needs. Right now, it is hot outside. From air conditioners to transmissions, I can take care of you. Give me a call, and I will come to you to get your car's AC running cold in no time. 435-229-4345. That's 435-229-4345. Don't get caught without power after a windstorm or a major winter freeze. Golden Spike Electric offers Generac backup generators so you can be prepared and keep your home warm while avoiding frozen pipes. Golden Spike Electric is one of the largest Generac dealers around, so you know it'll be installed right. Whether you're a homeowner or an electrician, contact Golden Spike Electric to rest easy the next time the power goes out. Online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. They also service other models. For more than a decade, Integrity Home Health and Hospice has been changing patient lives, outcomes, futures, and now we're changing our name. Integrity is now proud to be called Aegis Home Health and Hospice. Aegis. A-E-G-I-S. At Aegis, we're dedicated to compassion, character, and trust. We will ensure you experience the difference as we meet your home health and hospice needs. I'm Melissa Fieser. Our team promises to go above and beyond with compassion and care. Call us today, 435-723-9000, or find us online at myages.com. 
The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs, with competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Napa Auto Parts is well stocked up on the hard-to-find oil. Full synthetic, $22.99 for a five-quart size. Napa Fleet Heavy Duty Motor Oil, $13.99 a gallon. Valvoline Premium Heavy Duty 15W30 for $18.99. 10W30 for $19.99 and 5W40, $26.99 a gallon. And these Napa Auto Parts sponsors the Dan Patrick Above the Noise segment coming up in about 10 minutes, 10 or 11 minutes from now. Uh, you know, we uh, on Tuesdays, one of the fun things to do is look back on the week that was and highlight a few things that stand out to us, uh, including the stat that blew our minds. Let's take a look at the numbers. It's the stat that blew our minds. He did what? On the full court press. Wow, that blew my mind. So last week, I went on and talked about the stat that blew my mind, and I ended up stealing Jason's player of the week. So I'm going to let you go first on the stat this time. Yeah, I, I came up with a backup one. Or I guess, well, the thing is, I think with the player of the week, you ended up revealing my stat. Ah. Because um, it was like it was Albert Pujols and right. his uh, something about his home run totals and pitchers he'd hit home runs off of and whatnot. Um, my uh, stat, right? Well, that's what we did. Stats blew my mind. It's related to my player of the week, but I I kind of was tweeting. I was looking up Aggie running backs who had run the ball 30-plus times in a single game because Calvin Tyler did this last week, so I was like, okay, how many people have done that? And I think I did it before because Gerald Bright did it a few years back, and so I remembered him having done it. So I was looking up the players who have done it, uh, the database I have only goes back to 2000, so that's where the cutoff date is. So I don't know before then, at least accurately. So there's been five now, including Calvin Tyler. So Calvin Tyler, Gerald Bright, as I mentioned, Joey DiMartino, Lawan Hunt. This final one kind of blew my mind. It's Emmett White. Obviously, really good running back. Yeah. See, those other guys, they all did it like one time in their career. Emmett White did it Five times. Whoa. Five times he ran 30-plus times. Uh, he had one where he ran 30 for 108 yards, 32 for 153, 32 for 274, 38 for 233. That was his career high in attempts. And then his most famous game, 34 rushes, 322 rushing yards, also had like a buck 50 receiving. Uh, that was when he set the NCAA record, which he still holds, for – all-purpose all yards. So five times he's done it. Wow. Which is unthinkable nowadays, which they used to do it a little more often. There's probably a decent amount of good running backs who did it maybe in the 90s, 80s, maybe even 60s. 
where they ran the ball a lot and maybe had some star running backs, but hasn't happened in modern times, especially during Utah State's bad years. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's insane. Uh, mine not quite as uh, as interesting, but <laughs> I'm sure it's still interesting. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but this it kind of morphed. This is in the stat category. This is kind of a shout out to a player, but Candace Parker for the WNBA. Um, what kind of blows my mind here is that this is she's the first WNBA player in the playoffs to get 15 points, 15 rebounds, five assists, and five blocks. Um, and that was her 26th double-double in the playoffs. So I, I guess what blows my mind about that is it just really doesn't really happen very much in the WNBA. And as a great player, I think he was uh, in a losing effort, though, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I can't remember. I saw I saw that she did that and was like, oh, that's pretty good. But I didn't. I don't think I saw the final score of her game. Uh, so anyway, that's stat for me. Uh, and now let's get into a player who stood out to us. Time to see who the real MVP is. If you have a good game, your game is going to say that. You, know, you don't have to say it. But it's a lot of cool things in perspective anytime you're the first time doing something. It's the Full Court Press Player of the Week. Let's go! By the way, a reminder, if you've got a nomination, feel free to let us know. 435-339-0321. Got a couple texts coming in. We'll get to those. But, Jason, who was your player of the week? So, uh, very much related to my stat uh, is Calvin Tyler Jr. 33 carries, 161 yards. Um, He had a couple of receptions, including a long one, so I actually forgot to include his receiving yards, which I think was in the 30s. Um, uh, yes. I don't think I have the box score pulled up. but I have it. 33 yards receiving. Yeah. So, really good overall game by him. Nearly 200 scrimmage yards, which hasn't happened for a hot minute. I guess Devin Tompkins did it a few times last year. But from running backs, it's been tricky for them to get across that barrier. Yeah, he actually is my player of the week also. Just a tremendous performance. Did not see that coming. I knew Utah State would want to run the ball and establish the run. Did not expect that they would keep giving it to Calvin Tyler as much as they did. And that, yeah, he had maybe one or two big runs, but mostly it was just chunks here, chunks there, three, four yards, five yards at a time. And it was just a workhorse. Yeah. And just really impressed with his output and how he performed. It was kind of like Gerald Bright's, uh, you know, 30-carry game where he had 179 yards. And I think, if I remember correctly in that game, he either didn't have a run over 10 yards or over 15 yards. He didn't break a single big run. He just ran the ball 36 times and averaged like six yards a carry. Or I don't know exactly what the math is. Somebody can do 179 divided by 36. <laughs> that was his yards per carry. That's what it was. It was pretty decent. Um, just pounding it on the ground over and over. And Calvin Taylor Jr. is filled with seven, eight, nine-yard runs. And a couple that were like 20 or 15 or whatnot. Right. Uh, two seven eight seven. How about West Side? They had a rematch of last year's state championship game against Firth. Yeah, that was on Friday. Westside won 22-0 at Firth. They have 33 wins in a row right now and have won state the last three years. They have a heck of a program. They do. You know, you get those small programs, they get good coaches, and they, you know, it's a nice little triple option offense. But obviously there's two sides of the ball, and they are almost better on defense than they are yeah, on offense. Yeah, that's true. Dominant. Yeah, thank so, you, 2787. They deserve the shout-out. That West Side football team has been phenomenal the last couple of years. 
And that was a big one. Wait, I mean, what a risky move, right? Open your season against a team that you just played for state championship. They may have revenge on the brain. Yeah. But, but they they got the balls. They took care of it. <laughs> 9315. Uh, I think whoever uh, wins pick six gets to decide who starts things like the stats that blow your mind. <laughs> Just put me in charge of everything because uh, I keep winning that. pick six. <laughs> I know. Uh, all right, another quick timeout. We'll be right back here on the Full Court Press. Hey, it's Jackson with Mountain West Motor, inviting you to check out our new location at 615 North Main in Logan. If you're looking for a rig that will turn heads on the road, each vehicle on our lot has been customized and built for your adventure. Whether it's hauling kids, hauling trailers, or roaming in the mountains, choose from our collection of trucks and SUVs at Mountain West Motor like no other dealership in Cache Valley. Visit us at mwmotor.com. Mountain West Motor, built for your adventure. The people have spoken. Steel-coated epoxy floors of Cache Valley has been voted gold medal winner for 2022 Best of Northern Utah for the second year in a row. Known for their extremely durable floor coating systems, they can completely transform your concrete. Garages and shops, porches and patios, they coat it all. With over 25 years of operation, Steel-coated epoxy floors is Cache Valley's premier coating professionals. Contact Steel Coated Floors of Cache Valley today. Find them online at steelcoatedfloors.com. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Jason Walker uh, previewing Utah State and Alabama. Get into that next hour with comments from co- both coaches. But uh, before we do that, a shout-out to uh, – we had a shout-out to Westside Football – but uh, definitely deserve Steve a shout out to Utah State soccer. Yeah, this just came across like my Twitter feed as a press release Utah State put out. Uh, the United Soccer Coaches, oh, Pacific Region Rankings. I was trying to figure out how national this ranking was. Um, looks like it's a Pacific or like kind of West Region ranking. Utah State comes in tenth in these rankings. Um, they were unranked before apparently, and maybe a preseason poll. Now we're 10th. They're 2-0-2 uh, two, two this season. They're un, unbeaten. Two wins, zero losses, two ties. Um, and, I mean, kind of brought this up when we had that trivia question where they, uh, they'd they scored, like, uh, like I think eight goals, seven or eight goals in their seven first. Seven goals in the first two. Yeah, in the first two games the first time since 1999. Well, they've pretty much kept on the scoring pace. They scored two goals the next game, three goals this last game. So they're averaging three goals a game, which, as this uh, – Press release notes it it's currently better than their school average of two point or their school record average of two point one eight, which was in the nineteen ninety nine season. Um, the school record for goals in a season it says was set in two thousand seven, which was forty goals in a single season. They're currently on pace to break that. Um, they don't say, I don't know how many games they're going to play, but yeah, it's exciting though. Yeah, it's it's great. They're they're having a good offensive season. Uh, defense is, you know, iffy because they've got two ties, a pair of two-to-two two ties. Actually, no, a two-to-two two tie and a three-to-three three tie. So a couple times they've been a little lax on defense. They haven't had their main goalkeeper 
Um, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, but obviously a good offensive start for the Aggies. That's awesome. Really exciting. Uh, we'll get into uh, Utah State and Alabama coming up next hour. We'll hear from uh, both coaches, some of the players, and what they have to say about the matchup coming up on Saturday. Stick around. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Despite the Niners committing to Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo has remained in San Francisco, and yesterday the veteran QB restructured his contract. The new deal will give him $6.5 million guaranteed and features a no-trade clause for the upcoming season. At first glance, the deal might not make a lot of sense for a team that has limited cap space, but the Niners are looking to compete for a Super Bowl. Garoppolo gives the Niners an elite backup. And when you're competing for a title, that can be invaluable, just as the Eagles in 2018 when Nick Foles came in and won a Super Bowl. Or 1999, the Rams with Kurt Warner. The two backup quarterbacks stepped up when their teams needed them the most, leading their teams to a title. It's impossible for us to predict how Trey Lance will fare this season, but with Garoppolo now looking over his shoulder, the Niners do have an excellent backup plan under center. And when you look at the history of the NFL, that can be a big advantage going into the season. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. 